0: amen. Uh, This message this morning is the continuation of what I began two weeks ago living with God's perspective. I'm going to close that message today. This will be the final one on that particular message. Now for those of you that were not here two Sundays ago, there's no way I can go back and rehash everything that was said. Just suffice it to say that what we said so far is that God always has a redemptive perspective on every situation. No matter what's happening with you and I right now, no matter the hardship or the situation or the circumstance that you may find yourselves in, no matter how tough it may be, and sometimes they are very tough, that's realism. But I just want you to know that Realism does not replace God's redemptive plan for your life. We read the scripture and prayer this morning that God has a plan for you. Plans of peace and not of evil. Even though everything around you may look like it's turmoil, it's problems, it's trouble. Remember, remember there's another perspective. It's just like a man or a woman who is sick. And you went to the doctor and the doctor examined you and said, a, B, C. And you say, you know what, Doctor? I need a second opinion. And you go to another doctor who does the same examination. And we know many times they've come or they've come back with a different verdict. So what I'm challenging us this morning to see is not just the perspective where you and I are, but to always be able to glimpse at the perspective where God is. And in that first message I established to us very clearly that no matter what you are, what you are faced with you are not under a curse. It is so you know what I'm finding out it's a lot easier for people to believe darkness than light. People are very apt to believe in darkness than light. You bring a bad report to people and you'll be amazed at how readily people accept that as truth. Regardless of what other light you have in that situation. God has to help us to overcome that. Now, Balak, in the book of Numbers, called Balaam To come and curse Israel. That's how we closed last two weeks. And this man came and saw the Israelites. And every time he opened his mouth, God seized his tongue. And rather than curse, he blessed. And I want you to know this morning, heading down in this message, that no matter what you are seeing, no matter what's happening to you, you are a blessed person. Amen. You are not blessed because of what you've done. You are not blessed because of what you are saying. You are not blessed because of anything other than that Jesus Christ became a curse so you can be a blessing. Amen. Let me just go back to that Numbers 23 for one quick second and then I'm going to move on very quickly. Numbers 23. And then I'm going to move into Ezekiel 37 37. Numbers 23. Look at what Balaam said. In verse 20. Numbers 23, verse 20. He said, Behold, I have received a command to bless. He has blessed, and I cannot reverse it. He has what? blessed, and I cannot reverse it. There is no witch doctor. There is no herbalist. There is no witchcraft. Sorcery, you can name it all. There, There is not one of them that can reverse God's blessing over my life. It's not possible. It is absolutely impossible. It's not possible. Because Christ has redeemed them that were under the curse of the law. That's the essence of him going to the cross. It's done. It's too late. Now, look at the next verse. This was amazing to me. And I know I need to move on in this message. Verse 21 was amazing for me. Look at what God said concerning these Israelites. He has not observed iniquity in Jacob. What? Nor has he seen wickedness in Israel. Are you kidding me? The same Israel? The same Jacob? God said, I don't care what you're saying. i never observed any iniquity in them. God said, listen. Israel, I have never seen any wickedness in them. I didn't write it. This is the Bible. And you and I know the litany, the catalog of the iniquity and the wickedness that was committed in Jacob and in Israel. And yet God says, I have not observed it. Why will God not observe it? Because after every iniquity, And after every wickedness, if they did the corresponding sacrifice, it covered it, it blotted it. If Israel, living under an imperfect sacrificial system, could get a pass mark from God, and God is saying, in spite of what they've done, I didn't say it. No matter how coach tries to bring us attention to it, God says, I did not observe it. How much more the blood of his son? How much more does that atone for you and I now? Why are you beholding iniquity? Why are you beholding wickedness? When God says, I am not paying attention to them, I am only paying attention to the finished, completed, perfected work of my son Jesus. I don't care how many people are accusing you day and night. All I know is you are justified. You've been acquitted. You are sanctified. You are free. Yes. Yeah. I pray that God will help us to believe the truth and not buy into a lie. Ah, every time I read this, I just love David more and more. And I can tell now, I I, I may not finish this message this morning. I can almost tell now because when I think of David and how many vulnerable positions he found himself from cave to cave, from city to city, dodging javelins, running away from hostile armies. And in spite of all of that, you read in Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. And his praise shall continually be my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. And let us exalt his name together. David, are you serious? Javelin is behind you Goliath is in front of you Ahimelech is trying to get your skin We say I will bless the Lord Sometimes I will bless the Lord when I feel like it I will bless the Lord Every now and then No, he recognized that his victory was not based on what it was seen. He recognized that his victory was based on something that had been done and reckoned before time ever began. He recognized, he said, Listen, my key to my victory is not in my circumstance. There is a password to my victory. He's found in Psalms 100, verse 4. That password is praise, that password is thanksgiving. Oh my God, enter into his gates and into his courts. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise. We continually, when I feel good, when I feel bad, when I'm down, when I'm up, when things are looking rosy, when they're not looking as good, his praise will continually be in my mouth. I don't know what's in your mouth, I don't know what you are carrying in your mouth, but in my mouth, my mouth is made to praise him, my mouth is made to bless him, out of this mouth comes only blessing the God. His praise will continually be in my mouth you went to the doctor and the doctor diagnosed you and said you have a and b's disease hallelujah my his praise will continually i refuse to accept the doctor's report i refuse to accept what they are saying concerning me it's not me they are talking about the old man they are talking about the old me i am a new creation all things are passed away behold all things are become new so i saw your report but like god who did not observe the iniquity of jacob i saw it but i'm not observing it i see what you said but i'm not taking that into account i will bless the lord at all times and his praise will continually be in my mouth I don't care what it said. His praise will continually be in my mouth. What are you talking back? I'm talking praise. What are you singing back? I'm singing praise. What are you saying back? I'm saying praise. Praise I know if I press long enough that chain must come loose that shackles must be broken The bondage must go hallelujah <laughs> oh glory to God glory to God That's why the devil wants to seize your praise. That's why he wants you to focus on your situation and not praise God. He knows the power of praise. He knows that as you are praising, you are releasing things from the atmosphere. You are getting the angelic beings to get involved in your situation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I'm reminded in the Bible. Glory be to God. When the armies came against Jehoshaphat, he looked to the left and to the right. He didn't know what to do. He said, but one thing I do know, if you can just get a praise on here. Hallelujah. And begin to let our enemies know. And begin to praise God and say, uh, 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 what, what was it? Chapter, in first Chronicles 20. He said, uh, Jehoshaphat. He said, what, what did he say? No. His faithfulness endures forever. They began to sing the song that you know what? God's faithfulness will overcome this matter. And it endures forever. And the Bible said as they were singing, there was an ambushment that came against the enemy. If you want your circumstance to be ambushed, there is only one remedy. Praise becometh them that are in Zion. Oh, hallelujah. I will bless the Lord. Notice what he said, I will. It's a matter of the will, not how you feel. It isn't I feel like blessing. No, 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 no. You may not feel like it. The enemy put weights on you that does not make you feel like it. But you have to make a decision. He said, I will bless the Lord, which means I've considered my options. If I stay where I am, I'm going down. But if I choose to bless the Lord, that's my only shot. That's my only option. That's my only chance of reversing the situation. I make a decision. I will bless the Lord at all times. When my husband is messing up, when my wife is messing up, when my children are not acting up, when my employers are messing up, when my friends are cheating me, when they're talking bad against me, I have made up my mind. I will not respond to them. I will only speak to heaven. I will bless the lord at all times and his praise hey. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Woo. Woo. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. it works yes. yeah. it works oh take a seat let me, ju- let me just get through this my god it works so Now, integrity demands that I at least help you see that although our blessing is assured and guaranteed, you and I sometimes can bring things upon ourselves. It will only be responsible on my part to help you to understand that. Balaam could not curse Israel. The curse could not come upon them from an external source. All absolutely impossible And for you now. No one, if you are born again, child of God, no one from the outside can create anything that brings a curse upon you. It's not possible. You can settle that and put it in Wells Fargo Bank. It can never happen. But let me read one verse of scripture. Revelation chapter 2 verse 14. Revelation chapter 2 verse 14. But I have a few things against you. Because you have those who hold the doctrine of Balaam and taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. What was that stumbling block? To eat things, sacrifice to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. What, what, what point am I making? Balaam could not just put a cause or pronounce a curse on Israel. God had blessed them, nobody can reverse it. So what happened was, they put idol foods that I have been mean, sacrificed to idols before them, and based upon the dispensation they were living in, they knew they should not touch it. They ate things they knew they should not have done. But besides that, they committed hodom, the Bible said, or harlotry with the children in the land. They cohabited, they had illicit relationships with those people. Whereas nobody can curse them externally. They could do things that triggered an undesirable response or outcome for their lives. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Now, you don't shut me down now. A few minutes ago, you guys were ready to just hang up the chandeliers. Now we are talking about a responsible Christianity now. And by that I'm saying, You don't open your eyes and go do things you know you have no business doing. The grace of God covers you, forgives you. You dare and go to heaven. But while you're here, there are consequences. Some of them tougher and harder than others. We need to understand that. Whereas nobody can put a curse on me, I can place myself in a situation that brings a bad outcome in my life. You need to understand both sides. So, Balaam could not reverse what God had done. He could not curse those people, but they voluntarily submitted themselves to sexual immorality and consequently accomplished what the enemy sought to do through another means. By their own self-indulgence. So be careful. I'm saying that to say this concerning us at work, Fine. There are many things that we need to revamp and fix as a couple body. Many things. I.e. house church. It's not working the way we design it. We need to acknowledge that, recognize that, revamp that, and move on. Our praise and worship, we've been hot, we've been cold, we've been lukewarm, but I want to see consistently on fire. Because as we've just spoken, praise becometh them that are in Zion. So we need to invest on this platform. Whatever it takes to get them to the place, whether it's training, whether it's equipment, whether it's right personnel, whatever it's going to take, for them to be where they want to be, where God wants them to be, we need to do it. Media. Ditto. Our media needs to be on the cutting edge of what's happening. Now, why am I throwing this all out? If we don't have all these things working the way it should be working, what's going to happen is we're going to pray, we're going to preach a good word, and on Monday, Tuesday, When we are not here, everything starts to fall apart. We can't have that. We have to have corresponding ministries that's reinforcing the prayers and the message we're getting. Every department, every area of ministry, hospitality, first impressions, youth ministry, children's ministry. Every one of these ministries must be doing. We must be on firing on all cylinders, if you will. In order for us to get the result that God expects for us to, come, to get. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We need to fix some things and we will fix them. We are beginning to fix them already. I'm just bringing that, those things before you now so you understand that there's some fixing going on. In order for us to be in a position to sustain the momentum that God is bringing into the house. Now, back to Ezekiel 37. I need to wrap this up now. Ezekiel 37. Thank you, Jesus. Remember two weeks ago when I began, when I took this text, we first read out of Ezekiel 36, which was God's promise of the new covenant to Israel. Ezekiel 37 was the next chapter following that. And you notice that everything God promised in the previous chapter was not yet happening. Now, Ezekiel 37 were introduced to the valley of dry bones, which in verse 11 of Ezekiel 37, the Bible says, Then he said to me, Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. So the dry bones that we read about earlier in chapter 37 was a symbolic illustration of a disjointed, defeated house of Israel. So now, in verse 12, God begins to move forward to speak about the restoration of things that were not as he had planned for it to be. Ezekiel 37 verse 12. Therefore prophesy and say to them. Thus says the Lord God. Behold. Oh my people. I will open your graves. And curse you to come up from your graves. And bring you into the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. When I have opened your graves, O my people, and brought you from your graves, I will put my spirit in you, and you shall live, and I will place you in your own land. Then you shall know that I, the Lord, have spoken it and performed it, says the Lord. Let me just take that verse 12 and use that to close this afternoon. And really, it will be helpful for you to understand the entire chapter 37. Because it's not, this little passage is not in isolation. It's a whole message in the entire chapter. I will cause you to come out of your graves. Many of us know what a grave stands for. A grave is a burial place, it's a place of finality. If you ever lost a loved one or ever been through a funeral, you understand what a grave is. People could be dead for two weeks and the grieving family, even though they are grieving and mourning, for some reason, the finality of that event does not fully really register until you get to the grave site. I remember last year, my wife and I were at a funeral in the United Kingdom. And there had been some issues in the family before the man died. So as they were about to lower the guy into the, gra- into the ground, I was watching the chemistry between the current wife, the ex-wife and the estranged children right there at that graveside. Oh my goodness. The atmosphere was so thick, you can literally take it and carry it. But just as they lowered that casket into the ground, the first son who had been estranged from his father because of this feuding and conflict between the family, Yelled out. I love my father. I love my father. I love my father. Broke the silence. Broke. Whatever thickness was in atmosphere. And the next child stepped up there. And went through the similar thing. And amazingly. The two women who had been fighting. And feuding where the man was alive. In that moment of finality. Came together. And embrace one another. You see, there is something about the grave. That only leaves a remembrance of what used to be. There is something about the grave. That causes a vision. A plan to come to an end. All of a sudden, as... Someone is being led into the grave, whatever visions they had that was not accomplished, you knew that somehow there will be the end of that situation. It is a place where dreams come to an end. But God is speaking to these Israelites. Now, mind you, they were not dead, they were physically alive. And God said, I'm going to bring you out of your graves. So obviously for them, it's more than just being in a physical grave. I wonder how many of us God is speaking to this morning. You are living, but as if you have been dead. Dreams, aspirations, visions, plans, lofty ideas that you used to have five months ago, five years ago, springs in your legs. You woke up in the morning. You said, man, I'm going to do this for God. I'm going to do this for God. I'm going to do this for myself. I'm going to do this. But for some reason, the trials of life and the situations and circumstances has badgered you left, right, center, front and backwards. And for some reason, you are living, you're just carrying on every day and that dream, you've totally completely placed it on the shelf. You say, no, maybe not for me. Maybe not my generation maybe it will not happen. I want you to know this afternoon God is speaking to you. He saying to you I will raise you from your grave. Oh my God. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 Paul says I am crucified with Christ nevertheless I live. You see so there's a place in which I can be dead and yet be living. So God wants you to know that you and I may have gone through the watery grave of water baptism but there's life at the end of the baptism. There is life and hope at the end of this death. There's life and hope at the end of this grave. God Jesus said I am the resurrection and the life. All your dreams that have been dead. All your aspirations that you've buried. All your plans that you thought can never come to pass Jesus wants to enter your grave this afternoon he wants to say to you I am the resurrection and the life if you are dead, you will live again. And if you live and believe it and you are not dead, you will never die. I bring news to you this afternoon. Jesus stepped at the tomb of Lazarus. His friend who had died. And you, God said, you are my friends now because he does not hide anything from you. He stepped at that grave and he looked at Lazarus like David. He didn't complain. He did not ask what killed him. He did not want to know what the disease was. How long were you at the doctor? What did they say. How many tablets did they give you? What kind of surgery you went through? No, 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 no. Jesus only did what David did. I will bless the Lord at all times and his praise will continually be in my mouth. What did he do? He said, Father, I thank you always. That's all he did. That's all he did. Mind you, It's God that's saying, I want to raise you from your grave. It's not you that's saying it. You are not the initiator. It's God. It's God. Whatever those dreams are, whatever those aspirations are, those things you've put in the back burner, God wants you to know they are not dead. Let me close by sharing with you the words of the great apostle Paul. He said God has quickened us and made us alive even though we were dead in our trespasses. Now you can appreciate why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5, Blessed are those that mourn for they shall be what? Comforted. My God, you've been in the grave. Your dreams and plans and visions and aspirations has been buried for so long. You've been in mourning, so to speak. Because all of a sudden, those things which you thought should get you someplace, is getting you downplace. But Jesus said, because you've been mourning, you qualify for comfort. Go with me quickly. Put it on the overhead for me. Let me show you. Why I'm saying what I'm saying with this confidence? In a message Bible, the book of Jonah, Jonah chapter two. Look at what happened. Jonah chapter two. Jonah chapter two. I will cause you to come out of the graves. Verse one says, Then Jonah prayed to God from the belly of the fish. He prayed. In trouble. Deep trouble. How many of you feel like you've been in deep trouble? (laughs) Hallelujah. I prayed to God. He answered me. Where? Where was he? From the belly of the grave I cried. Help! You heard my cry. You threw me into the ocean's depths. Into a watery grave. With ocean's waves, ocean breakers crashing over me, I said have been thrown away, thrown out, out of your sight. You see, momentarily, that's how you feel. You feel like, man, God is no longer around. He's thrown me away. He's throwing me out, out of your sight. I will never lay eyes again on your holy temple. Ocean gripped me by the throat. The ancient abyss grabbed me and held tight. My head was all tangled in seaweed at the bottom of the sea, where the mountains take root, I was as far down as a body can go, and the gates were slamming shut behind me forever. Can you imagine this? Do you imagine the agony this mine is in? Yeah. Now, yet, you pulled me up from that grave alive. Oh, God, my God. When my life was slipping away, I remember God I didn't remember the doctor I didn't remember the preacher I didn't remember the prophet I remembered God And my prayer go through to you Made it all the way to your holy temple My God Those who worship hollow gods God front Walk away from their only true love But I'm worshiping you God Calling out in what? Oh no you didn't hear me Calling out in what? Calling out the word, and I will do what I promise I'll do. What salvation belongs to who that's the password. You want to come out of the grave? The password is thanksgiving. Hallelujah! Oh, stand to your feet this afternoon. We are coming out, we are coming out, out. We out. we are coming out. We are coming out all the accounts receivable coming in every man woman has owed you they're going to break the door down to pay you what they owe in the name of jesus we are coming out every chain is going to be loosed every shackle unloosed every bondage broken in the name of jesus we are going to enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise We are going to bless the Lord at all times. And His praise will continually be in our mouth. Hallelujah. Can I not get a praise in the house this morning? Can I get a praise this morning? Can someone praise God this morning? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. If you are redeemed and you know it, will you say so this morning? Shout praise of oh God this morning. Shout praise of oh God this morning. Shout a praise of oh God this morning. Shout a praise. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah.